Welcome to A Smarter You, a University of Lynchburg podcast where ideas come together in new ways. I'm your host, Hannah Belliacci, and today we will be talking about something that takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a saga that's loved across the generations, Star Wars. We'll be talking about the sequel series to the original series, as well as the upcoming and final installment, The Rise of Skywalker. Joining us today, we have communication studies professor, pop culture expert, and all-time Disney fanatic, Dr. Mike Robinson. Hello. And communication studies student and Star Wars geek, Caroline Gilmore. Hello. So first off, I'd like to talk about Disney's ever-growing empire and their taking over of the Star Wars franchise. Um, From both perspectives, how do you guys think that this has changed, if it has changed at all, um, the Star Wars world image and uh, what we've come to know from the first six movies compared to the more recent ones? Want me to jump first? Want me to go? Oh, okay, I'll jump in. Um, I, as a as a wholly owned corporate subsidiary of Disney, <laughs> no, no, um, we are we are a highly invested Disney family, and it's very hard from that perspective to not see it as an exciting thing. Um, so back in 2012, Disney bought Lucasfilm, right? So it's not just Star Wars; it's it's you know Indiana Jones and some other Lucasfilm stuff uh, for 4.05 billion dollars, which is about what they paid for uh, Marvel Comics a few years earlier. Um, and that gave them total ownership of my childhood, right? I mean, it, it, it's pretty much my entire life is now owned by Disney. Um, I think it's really fascinating um, and largely good for Star Wars um, because I think that they are willing to uh, get a lot of product out there. You know, they're not going to sit and wait and let this cool. Now, some people have criticized that. They've said, you know, they've tried to make too many movies. But it's not it's not going to stall like that that long time period between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and, and really just that little bit of, you know, time between the, the prequels and these modern ones. Um, so I think it's going to get more stuff out there. And I think it also, if we look at it, has caused uh, – an exploration of other parts of the Star Wars universe. And so we haven't just gotten a continuation of, of this really great saga that's defined my whole childhood. Um, we're also looking at other things, you know, whether that's Rogue One or whether we're doing Mandalorian or something like that. We're going to explore out into this bigger universe. And I think that makes for richer storytelling. You know, I, I agree that it's a good thing that the Star Wars engine is going to keep going. Uh, the only thing that I wonder is if the writer's vision for Disney is the same as the vision that the community had, drawing from all those sources that we got between those sequels to the to this latest installment of movies, all of that lore and the Jedi legends that were wiped out and no longer canon when Disney bought Lucasfilm. You're talking about what they call the extended universe, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So for so for folks that aren't familiar with that, um, there's there's always been a big uh, push for spinoff product. I mean, you know, Star Wars totally redefines how we know toys, for example. Um, but there was also 1978, Alan Dean Foster, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, right? That's the first Star Trek spinoff novel. Um, and I remember, I remember getting that. I remember reading it. I remember people thinking, "Oh, that's the next. That's the next Star Wars movie." You know, like that's what it'll yeah. be. It's not. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting read. Um, it's really different, but it's an interesting read. Um, and since then, there's always been stuff like Marvel had uh, the comics for a few years, and then now that Disney owns Marvel and that together they have it again. Um, but there were a ton, a ton, a ton of novels, right? Um, and so this whole giant pile of narrative detail built up and when disney came in disney said well we're just going to push that aside um and i can kind of see it from both perspectives because when you know something and you love something and you invest in it 
it's very hard when it gets knocked over. Um, that was not something that I had delved into as much, so it didn't rock my world uh, quite the same way. I, I think they're trying to do it so that they can go in the directions they want to go in rather than try to um, stick with something that they could have uh, they could have easily figured out, but don't want to. I feel like Disney's all like you make a great point, but I feel like Disney like their main like what they their role in acquiring all these different companies is just they're trying to make money. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of like backlash from fans about how like when they first acquired Marvel, um I had one friend tell me that he didn't enjoy them as much just because like before they before Disney owned them, um, you would wait for the next movie, and you mm-hmm. there was this excitement and suspense. But now, like Disney is essentially pumping them out like every year, every couple months. Um, so, do you think that sort of diminishes the quality of the of the movies or the entertainment? Well, um, I'm gonna say that it probably boils down to who you've got writing these stories, <laughs> because we can wait, you know. 10 or something years for a great movie to come out. But if you're going to put out a great movie every two years, you know, you're never going to hear a fan complain about watching a great movie. It's just, you know, sometimes you can burn the Star Wars engine dry, you know. Uh, I think that's kind of happening with Marvel right now, especially after this phase just ended. But we're seeing them take it in new directions, and I think it's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of, one of the really interesting things, if you want to use Marvel as an example, one of the really interesting things is that Marvel has this accumulated, you know, six-decade pile of stories now. Um, and what the Marvel movies do is they go back to those stories and they pull the best of those out. Um, and so when you all see Infinity War and you see Endgame, um, I remember Infinity Gauntlet, which was, I think, written before either of you were born. <laughs> um, and... You know, there's one kind of fan that looks at that and goes, well, they didn't do this exactly the way it was. And you're never going to make that person happy. But um, a lot of what I enjoyed about Infinity Gauntlet sort of ends up into those in those movies. Um, when Disney made that decision to toss away the extended universe, they've kind of robbed themselves of the ability to go back and pull those stories out. Um, and that, there may be legal reasons for that. I'm not sure. But it, it's not working in the same way. Like when 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 Disney says, I'm going to give you another, you know, I'm going to give you a Black Widow movie and I'm watching the trailer for the Black Widow movie and I'm seeing characters that I know, I can be like, oh, this is really, really exciting. Star Wars fan is not having the same experience. Star Wars fan is having the experience of, well, it's a new Star Wars. What's going to happen? Um, are they going to monkey with something that I love? Is something going to change and alter? Um, from my perspective as an older fan, um, I rem- I remember th- what it was like to not have Star <laughs> right? So I can remember, you know, I can remember that world where, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know Empire. You know, we just didn't know there was going to be an Empire. And then there was an Empire. And then there was Return of the Jedi. And then it was done. You know, it was over. And we just couldn't conceive of more Star Wars. There was like some cartoons and stuff. And we ached for it. So I think the really young Mike Robinson uh, informs a lot of the older Mike Robinson thinking on that sort of stuff. Um, I think that's what makes me uh, so uh, ridiculously happy about The Mandalorian is that I can get a weekly dose of Star Wars that really is sort of quintessentially Star Wars. I mean, there's just a lot about the show. It's a great, it's a great Western. I mean, if you like Westerns, you should be watching it. It's a great Western, but it's also really Star Wars completely. My, my neighbors, uh, my, my son had his uh, friends over to watch the, the pilot with him. 
And uh, I, you know, I was talking to the mom, and it's like, yeah, the show's okay. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing weird. And she goes, so it's Star Wars. And it's like, yeah, Star Wars. So that's kind of really nice. So it's essentially, um, it's better for fans to have an extension or just sort of like these little add-ons to the Star Wars series to keep them going. Um. Well, and fans are. I, I don't know if I'd speak for everything. <laughs> fans are uh, fans are a notoriously fickle lot. Um, there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of research actually out there about fans. There's a big research movement um, in the '90s uh, looking in fans and fandom, and basically the idea uh, you go to this guy uh, Henry Jenkins, Textual Poachers, 1992 I think is the year on that, and his argument is that. Uh, Phantom's like the Velveteen Rabbit. Remember the story of the Velveteen Rabbit, right? So this little boy loves the Velveteen Rabbit so much that he brings the Velveteen Rabbit to life, okay? And so Jenkins's analogy here is that we we love the property so much that our excitement um, invests it with a kind of energy, okay? Um, and that can be really positive, really exciting experience until something happens when it goes wrong, and then it's it's kind of like, oh, I put all this time and energy into it, and you changed it. Um, to be completely uh, to be completely uh, Star Wars about this, um, Revenge of the Sith. Um, when they add that scene in there where Anakin, right, um, you know, they they decide that the that the clone troopers are going to turn on the Jedi, kill all the Jedi, and there's a shot of Anakin suddenly moving to kill these young kids at the Jedi Temple. Um, that I, I can remember that scene, you know, where the lightsaber kind of makes the squeal and then you see the shocked look on the little kid's face. And I'm sitting there watching it thinking, well, I always liked Darth Vader. Like, I always thought Darth Vader was really cool. And I walked around for four or five Halloweens in a Darth Vader costume, you know, and that was my thing. I had my light up lightsaber and that was my trick or treating. And essentially, I didn't know it at the time, but George Lucas had decided I was Pol Pot, you know, that I was some sort of horror, you know, I was dressed as some sort of horrible dictator that had murdered people, um, that really rocked my world. Not, not enough that I bailed out of Star Wars, but <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing. When you, you know, You're getting the textual elements of it, and you're getting the personal lived experience of it. And so everybody will kind of uh, run into these things differently. C- Caroline was talking about, um, before we started, she was talking about her and her dad and this great Star Wars relationship that they have. And, and you should maybe talk about that a little bit. But for me, it's seeing it with my mom. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a different kind of experience. Oh, yeah. Um, I gotta say, seeing it with my dad, uh, we we built up as we built up as much content watching time as we possibly could. So, uh, I will say that this effect showed kind of in Solo. Uh, we should we got really bad reviews from Solo. No, a lot of people didn't like Solo, but the I think the reason behind that is because there was a lot of content build up with Clone Wars, the animated series that had come out a few years before. Now, my dad and I had watched that, and we loved Solo <laughs> because it it took the information that we knew and it built on that in an actual movie, and it was really nice. But uh, a lot of people didn't take the animated series as seriously, and so that's where you saw like the, the overlap between too much content versus not enough. Uh, so I will say, going back to your question, that making more content is a good thing. However, you got to make sure that you're targeting the right audience because then when you go to make more content based off of that, it can end badly for you like it did for Solo. To, to echo that, right? Um, 
1978, the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh the legendary. Have you, have you watched it? Have you watched it, Caroline? I, I have refused to watch oh, no, it, but Caroline, I've read about it. it. No, you should watch it. It's I it's don't think I will. No, no, no. I'll watch that live. That was, we were hungry for Star Wars content, and that was that was painful. Um, have, have you, are you familiar? Oh, Hannah, you've got to go. got to go. Yeah, it's on the internet. Go see it. Um, it's, it's, it's legendarily bad. Um, but why is it bad? Because it didn't have a lot of involvement of the Lucasfilm people. It was clearly in a, a CBS grab to get some ratings. You know, it came out like in November. Uh, they were trying to get a bunch of people to watch some stuff. The, the in the middle of it is the cartoon where Boba Fett first appears. And around about that time, they had released a Boba Fett figure. You could send away a certain number of uh, seals of approval off your action figures and get this Boba Fett. And so the whole thing was like a little bit of push of Boba Fett. I mean, inexplicably, Harvey Corman's in it, B. Arthur's in it, Art Carney's in it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's it's really kind of painful and bad. But it's because nobody was truly involved with it that actually cared about it. I like watching it because towards the end, Harrison Ford, if, you, if you're not convinced of Harrison Ford's ability to act, Harrison Ford in this, in this special will pretend that he really seriously cares about Chewbacca's made-up family. <laughs> and, and, but by the end, right, it's terrible. I mean, you know, everybody else is sort of like just stumbling through this thing. But, but by the end, Harrison Ford is, Carrie Fisher is singing the Life Day song, and Harrison Ford is looking at the ground, kind of like, why am I here? What is going on? What has happened? So, you know, that sort of thing can really sort of not work. But if, if, if the fans feel the love, Right then, most of the time it worked out, and I just I loved Solo. I don't I don't understand why people got mad at it. I loved it. I ate it right up. I thought it was great. Yeah, and they they even used uh, the concept of the Solo movie to build onto the Mandalorian because Solo mm-hmm. is a space western too, and you see the elements of it. And it the Mandalorian's awesome. Solo was awesome. <laughs> Everyone who disagrees, absolutely yeah. wrong. You know? <laughs> Phantom is great. That's the great thing about Phantom. You can have a lot of friendly audience. I feel yeah. like uh, go, like going back to what you said, Like if you don't have that base content, then you're not going to appreciate any of these other things. So I feel like that that's kind of what the future of Star Wars will be. Like The add-ons will depend on what kind of fan you are with, yeah. with the rest of the movies. It's just like watching Infinity War without seeing any of the movies beforehand. You know, people who did that didn't like it, obviously. I actually, I actually know somebody who did. I actually know somebody who had a blast, but she took people with her. Uh, who yeah. Knew. Okay. yeah, they oh, helped her go. through it. Um, let me, I'm sorry, I'm taking over yeah, questioning. H- Hannah, so, so Hannah was in my Westover class this spring, and we went to Disney. We had a class on Disney. Great time. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. We had a blast. And we went to, so the second day there, we were at Hollywood Studios. And through a, a little bit of planning uh, mix-up and the decision for certain buses not to run, mm-hmm. we ended up getting at the studios really sort of late in the day. We were kind of starving. And we were all desperately trying to get, we were all going to ride the Slinky Dog Coaster. Oh, yeah, that was the day that I played. Yeah, oh yeah, God. right. And we're yeah. running back. But, the, but none of those things were your fault. But No, none of those things were your fault because those buses just didn't just show didn't, up. But um, we were uh, we were we were desperately trying to get back there, um, and we ran afoul of the Imperial Army because they were coming out for the show. Yes, <laughs> um, and it was really really funny because I had to, I had intended one of the things that I had learned on this trip was that I had a group of fifteen people and we could kind of push people. Around. <laughs> Remember how we kind of stole the bus yeah. that day, yeah. right? And so I was going to try that again. I was just going to lead these people right through this crowd, and suddenly I look and it's. It's stormtroopers and it's Darth Vader and it's and you know it's Boba Fett and I'm like well I'm not messing with these guys yeah. and my son is standing there his mouth is just you know hanging open, um, but just the, the running into Star Wars was wild like just running into Star yes. Wars in real life we had we had some guys we have a, a local 
uh, stormtrooper militia that came out here and did my wife's TV show one time. And running into those guys was kind of wild. And then I took them over to the lobby here and got them out by the coffee shop. And everybody's like, oh, it's stormtroopers. You know what I mean? There's, there's that kind of element to it as well. It's kind of real exciting. It's that wow factor. Because like you, yeah. these characters oh, yeah. that you're seeing on the screen are coming to life. Yeah. It's just in front of you. And it's, being in Disney was... It was a re- right. So being in Disney, just seeing those characters come to life, it I feel like it does add an, another element of excitement. Whether like to the movie, it makes you appreciate it more. Yeah. I don't know why, but it might just be because like you're seeing it with your own, like it's right in front of you. It's a part of <laughs> reality, and I say that with air quotes. But <laughs> but it's just the fact that you can interact with these characters Completely. in a different my, way. My father, my awesome awesome father, he built a working R two D two. How? What? Um, Where is it? Why isn't it here? <laughs> can it not come to school? It's, 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 it's quite too heavy for that, sadly. I met your but, dad. Um, he can pay for two students to go here. You and the <laughs> But there, there is a whole online society. I think it's called astromech.net, and it's devoted to making s- these droids and these elements of Star Wars wow. real. And Disney will hire you for your R2-D2. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> We haven't been contacted yet. Wow. Disney, if you're listening, we have yeah. one. Um, <laughs> but it, it is entirely awesome how the fan base has created this extra element that goes along perfectly with what Disney's trying to do. Yeah. Can R2-D2 bring you back to school in the spring? Can I, I, I get, really can wish call he could. Me when he, <laughs> he might have a broken axle. I don't know. <laughs> he sits in my dining room. <laughs> um. Now, since the resurgence of the Star Wars movies, uh, like the new one starting with The Force Awakens, uh, we've seen a lot more female characters taking charge of the plot. Um, and throughout the movie, Rey's characters often addre- uh, addressing the main issue, uh, and Finn and Poe are usually taking care of something else that would help her out in the grand scheme. It's just not the main focus of the story. Um, so how do you think bringing in a strong female lead for the last parts of the saga uh, adds value to the Star Wars franchise? I think it's awesome. So... Uh... I was talking about this the other day, but I used we used to play Star Wars on the playground, and it was like, well, you could be Leia, or maybe Padme, but either way, you were essentially useless. <laughs> uh, no, no offense to them, but Leia didn't do much gunslinging until the last, yeah, the, first the last episode, yeah. and you know, Padme wasn't doing much either, and then Clone Wars came out. Uh, the animated series, and all of a sudden we could be awesome Jedi like Ahsoka, and then Padme was using guns and stuff, so <laughs> it was cool to be Padme again. And now there's Rey, and obviously I'm not playing out on the playground anymore, but like I think of like my cousins and stuff, and they are 100% psyched that Rey exists. Like Just existing is cool enough for them. <laughs> yeah, earlier we had lightsabers out. We had my son's yes. lightsabers out. And yes. Caroline, she's saying now she's not playing, but she was sizing me up, and I could tell I, I, she I, was, I was ready. Yeah. I had my double, you know, Darth Maul, and she was clearly, you know, she was sure she could take me. I'm, I'm pretty confident. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my father and I have have uh, lightsabers of yeah. our own too. You know, I, I've yeah, got I'm practice. I'll just run. That's what all good yeah. Um, Ray is is amazing. Um. From the context of things, um, you know, Princess Leia was really something in the 70s, um, dramatically so. Um, my wife would never forgive me if I did not mention how important Princess Leia was to her because, um, you know, I agree compared to uh, some of the other male characters in the series, she wasn't doing as much, but she was doing more than most characters ever did. 
um, and certainly um, certainly seemed to have the upper hand in the relationship with Han Solo. So that was kind of cool. Um, Padme seemed like a step back. Attack of the Clones sort of suggested like she was going to be this great action character. Um, but then Revenge of the Sith, it was all weepy, dying stuff, yeah. which was really yeah. frustrating and disappointing. Um, Ray is interesting to me because um, Ray got caught up in all of this uh, backlash. So there's been a lot of backlash in popular culture from, from a certain set of fandom that gets really upset about uh, attempts to add some more diversity. And um, it's really funny because there was a lot of criticism of Rey when Force Awakens came out. And people were like, oh, she's so good at this. And oh, she's so good at that. And oh, she can do these things. Well, they all could. Yeah. Luke, Luke Skywalker yeah. is ridiculously for for somebody who's supposed to live right. Really, what you know? For, for, what if there's a bright center of the universe? He's from in the point that it's farthest from, right? That's what he says at one point. Um, for somebody that's supposed to be way out there, he came and he had all those powers and all those abilities, and he's the triumphant spirit that you know wins the day over and over again. Um, and yet, for some reason, when we get the female equivalent of that, uh, we get worried. And in fact, arguably, uh, Ray seems to be able to do more early on than Luke could. So I don't know. But I, I like the character a lot. I was, I was in preparation. I was rewatching my Force Awakens and my my Last Jedi. So we were, <laughs> we were finished up Last Jedi last night, and um, it's really interesting to see. Um, Star Wars characters aren't usually incredibly complex. There's not a lot of time for the kind of complexity that you might get in a TV show, right? The whole Star Wars saga, I, look, I looked this up, the whole Star Wars saga, if you watch it without including Clone Wars, I think you should include Clone Wars, but the whole Star Wars <laughs> yeah. saga without including it is about 22 hours and 30 minutes. Um, you know, uh, Doctor Who's got more hours than that. Star Trek's got more hours than that. You know, the, they're, they're the big tent poles of science fiction. Um, but within that context, um, Ray is a really fascinating, complicated character, and there's some really interesting hints about what's going on with Ray and how you know it's not just her origins. I know you, I know you want to talk about her origins, but it's not just her origins. It's like which side is she going to fall on? Like you get oh, these yeah. little hints, like she, you know, she might go bad or all kinds of things. So it's uh, that that's really really interesting about her too. Well, they they hinted at something like this in. Uh, another animated series in <laughs> <laughs> in Rebels. I'm just nailing yeah, it with the animated fantastic. stuff today. But um, Ahsoka Tano comes back in Rebels, spoiler alert, and she's not a Jedi, but she has a lightsaber. And basic, and she's not a Sith either. Uh, and basically the whole thing was she had left the Jedi in Clone Wars, and then the only reason that she's back is just to get rid of Darth Vader because he's such a polarizing force. Right. And I think the whole thing of Rey not being a Jedi or a Sith is so yeah. cool because <laughs> it's always been, you know, there are two boxes in the Star Wars universe, and if you don't fall into any of them, then I guess you're a bounty hunter. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, or a smuggler. Ray or a smuggler. Is, yeah, you're a bounty hunter or a smuggler. Yeah, or a smuggler. But Ray is kind of challenging this. Uh, it's a binary, basically. She's she's a non-binary force yeah. user. <laughs> Because she, she does so many things. Like, even in the first movie where she doesn't even know, like, the amount of hold that she has over the Force, she does so much more than Luke did, even though, uh, like, without any training right. at all. Yeah. And Luke, from the beginning, he, at least, uh, he had Obi-Wan Kenobi at least somewhat trying to push him along the path. But Rey literally started out with nobody. And in The Last Jedi, um, Kylo Ren is literally telling her, that she is nobody, yeah. like she's from yeah. nobody, or she's mm -hmm. from nothing. Um, so she really does, like the the amount of innate skill that she has really does bring that out. And then when she even, when she meets Luke, like on the island in The Last Jedi, um, towards the beginning, I'm 
flip flip flopping here, not going chronologically, but when she meets him and he asks like, "Who are you?" She isn't here. She doesn't say like, "Oh, I'm here to train to become a Jedi Master." She's just like, "I'm from the Re- Resistance, and we need your help." Like she like being a Jedi is the last thing that's on her mind, and I feel like like that part is like you don't have to fall in between the two. Like as long as you have the heart, and Star Wars is focusing more on like, are you morally good? It doesn't matter whether or not you have you well obviously it matters if you're fighting for like the the first order or the resistance but kylo ren even though he's um he struggled we see him struggle with that light part of him that he knows is inside in both the force awakens and in the last jedi so what do you what do you think that says more about i guess the literary um the literary depth of the story aside from the action um well, I'll, jump in. I'll go um yeah. okay well um i would say i I don't know exactly what you mean by literary. Um, I, th- I think um, that popular culture can often be very deep, you know, without having to, uh, without having to uh, sort of necessarily emulate literary sources. Um, but there is a, th- th- you know, if, if you want to make an argument that there's like a Shakespearean thing going on. Like a light versus yeah, dark. Like, a, like yeah. a, a deep sort of thing. Then, yeah, no, I, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I think what's really fascinating about The Last Jedi is that and and why it's sort of polarizing? You, you you tend to meet people who either really liked it or really didn't like it, um, and you tend to meet people who got very excited about it and said this is the way we ought to go, or you met people who were like, yeah, maybe there's too much Star Wars and we should slow down. <laughs> um, but the movie is constantly about breaking down these expectations. It's it's constantly about breaking down this these binary choices you're talking about, Caroline. It's it's about taking Luke Skywalker and kind of saying. Uh, you know, hey, maybe you made some mistakes. You know, like, hey, Luke Skywalker, you're usually wholesome and you can't do anything wrong, but it turns out you messed up. Um, that's that's really kind of fascinating. Um, and whenever they can do that, that's really intriguing. Like I was saying earlier, they don't they don't have the kind of time, you know, if you think about it, the kind of time that other shows have had to mess around or other properties have had to mess around. You know, we have we have you know, you could take Spock. Spock's like probably the deepest thing in Star Trek. So you, know, you could take Spock and you can find probably about 10, 15, 20 examples of Spock being really deep. Um, you know, you can only find a few examples of Boba Fett doing anything, right? And sorry, you know, you can only find Han Solo doing a few few things. So, to the extent that they are able to do it within the context of these movies, which are, and again, Star Wars fans don't get mad at me because another important part of Star Wars is the action, but which are largely dominated by action sequences. Anything that they can do is is really really exciting, and they've they've got to find something because they keep saying, "Well, this is this is it. We're closing it off." This is it. This is done. You know, we're going to do nine movies. That was what George Lucas said a long time ago. We we're going to do that's nine movies. And so after that, Star Wars is going to be something else. Um, they have to be able to open that door. They have to be able to kind of say, well, can we do Star Wars without Luke Skywalker? Well, yeah, you can. It's Rogue One, but it's still not <laughs> off in its own place. Um, so can we do Star Wars Without any of these familiar elements, you know, what's kind of going to happen? Even The Mandalorian, by having the adorable baby Yoda, is not stepping away completely from the things. It's not going off into its own space entirely yet. So it's going to be really kind of wild to see what this this last movie sets up, um, particularly because it's J.J. Abrams who tends to be more uh, devoted in the way that an ardent fan would be, you know, like Ryan Johnson, I think was was really willing to mess with things in Last Jedi, but but J.J. Uh, Abrams seems to be about affirming things. So it would be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'd like to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about 
uh, more so the fan theories that people <laughs> had about the upcoming movie. Um, and so the the title is Rise of Skywalker, but um, for everyone who watched the Last Jedi, like we know that he he got he died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He became he became yeah. one with the Force, so to speak, right. in the in the Star Wars uh, Un- thing. Unless, <laughs> <laughs> unless he's coming back. Um, and so fans uh, started talking, and they they think that this might be a hint that Rey is Skywalker's daughter because and it might and it and it would explain like her um, her grasp with the Force like since day one. Um, but what do, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Go ahead, Caroline. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't entirely agree. Uh, so, real quick, The Rise of Skywalker. Episode 9 was supposed to be Leia's movie. Sadly, Carrie Fisher has passed. Very sadly. Uh, but they are going to be reusing footage from the last two movies of her. They aren't digitally remaking her or anything. But, um, so... I don't know if that means that it's still going to be focused on her because she is a Skywalker. That would be the rise of Skywalker. Uh, but I don't know. The other thing that I was thinking, I don't think Ray is related to Luke directly. Uh, however, I'm thinking, you know, how she deviates from that binary. She might start a new uh, sort of religion of Force users called the Skywalkers versus the Jedi or the Sith. That's what I was thinking like a perfectly balanced thing, but I mean, who am I you to should, say? You should start selling your T-shirts now. You need to get that. Yeah. You need to get that yeah, down and on there. I, I'm one of the Skywalkers, and people are gonna buy that anyway. Caroline, yeah. go, go be rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, donate Thank money you. to the university when you're done. Um, <laughs> that's that's wild. That's a wild idea. Um, ooh, I'm not. You know, the problem. The problem with a lot of these theories. You were sharing some of those with me earlier, Hannah. And the problem with a lot of these theories is that they rely on the sort of inexcusable idea that some of these heroes that we really love dumped a really sweet kid off somewhere to let her be raised <laughs> by horrible raised. people. And so, you know, like that's that's not Luke Skywalker. That's not Luke Skywalker. Luke's not going to do that. And, uh, you know, you can also sort of wonder, well, why didn't you recognize your daughter? Why don't you, uh, why doesn't the Force sort of tell you right away? Of course, it didn't tell you your sister was either. So maybe Luke's just like not good at <laughs> um, but uh, you know those theories. Oh, she's Han Solo's child. Why did Han Solo leave her somewhere? You know, that's kind of worrisome stuff. I'm I'm actually whatever they decide will be really cool because it'll be fun. It'll be Star Wars and yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm actually hoping that she doesn't turn out to be anybody other than just this person because I like that kind of fairy tale element that somebody comes out of nowhere you know, and actually saves the day. Um, I'm kind of thinking that Rise of Skywalker is probably more about Kylo Ren, about Ben Solo, and and getting back to his, that yeah, his essence there. Right <laughs> the there. light yeah. that's inside yeah. him. There's yeah. nothing more than, I, than that I want than for Kylo Ren to be a wholesome little Ben yeah. Solo again. <laughs> like, it, it's it's well, it's a redemptive arc, and Star Wars has always liked a good redemptive arc. So whether it's whether it's you know making Darth Vader across six movies you know horrible and then better, yeah. or just Han yeah. Solo realizing it's not about the money, you know, or Lando Calrissian realizing, hey, maybe it's nice to have friends. Star Wars likes <laughs> that kind of redemptive kind of element, and so you know, I, I, that would that would feel very Star Wars to me. Um, I'm worried about um, the complexity. Of, of any theory because um, something can be um, 
can can be too much and can require too much exposition. I mean, like look look how long it just took for us to quickly sort of explain this, you know, and how would you do that, and how much precious film time would you have in your two or two and a half hours or three hours, however long this thing is, um, how would you how much would you have to to dedicate it to that? And people would just kind of be sitting there, kind of like, uh, yeah. you know, can, yeah. can some X wings come out and blow some stuff up here really quick? And I feel like these theories, like they have, it requires you to pay attention to detail, which when you're watching or when or if you're watching Star Wars, you're not going to really do. You're like, you're watching it to like for an entertainment purpose or you're watching it like because you grew up with the lore and it's like, oh, this is a new movie. It's going to wrap up the saga. Like, that's what it's there for. Like, while it's fun to like think of these theories and everything, if like most most chances are like it's not going to be built into the movie because that's just not what the producers and directors were thinking of they were thinking more of like the story arc and the character development like you were talking about and back to ray she doesn't need to be a skywalker and i think that's the whole point because if she were then it would just be like crediting her own power back to another man yeah, and it takes a, it takes away from our whole discussion earlier about it being awesome that there's a female Who's cool? <laughs> well, the other <laughs> complexity too is there's clearly some kind of interest between Kylo Ren and Ray. That would be awkward. That gets us back into. I said earlier when we started that Star Wars really loves its. Hey, I'm in love with my sister, but you know we don't need to go back there and do that. That's always. It's it's yeah, 2019. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, what, what's the line for the Simpsons? Why why yeah. would you want to marry your cousin because they're so attractive? Um, no, it's you know it's that kind of thing that maybe Star Wars doesn't need anymore. I don't know. Chewbacca. Chewbacca yeah, no is thanks. the Skywalker that we don't uh, <laughs> C-3PO. This is going to be a C-3PO. He's just going to burst out of there. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're kind of hitting on this idea. Uh, part of fandom is about uh, going back and working through details and sort of experiencing uh, the love of something by by parsing through all these things and looking for clues and and suggesting things and experiencing things. And so, um, you know, that first viewing is really about enjoying, I would agree. But then the multiple viewings begin yeah. to catch like, yeah. oh, what have I picked up and what have I seen there? and What can I share? And I think uh, I, I would certainly go, to go back to some of your earlier questions. Disney's fine with this because Disney, you know, Disney, like a lot of major uh, entertainment conglomerates has realized that if you get fans excited, the fans are spreading the word and they're they're passing it out there. And the, and the neat thing about Star Wars, maybe something should have mentioned a little bit earlier, you know. So I said the tent poles were were Doctor Who, Star Trek, and Star Wars. So Doctor Who starts in 1963 and takes forever. I love Doctor Who, so Doctor Who fans don't be mad at me, but it takes forever to become a mainstream property. Forever, you could really only argue that the whole world knows Doctor Who in the last 10 years, maybe. Um, Star Trek takes forever, you know what I mean? It gets canceled and it and it limps along and then, oh, reruns and then movies and then off it goes. Star Wars was popular from the minute it showed up. From the very second that it first showed up, people were going crazy about this movie. There was nothing like it ever before. I wish I could take you back in time and you could see it, you know, with, with, with me, with a nine-year-old, just sitting like in one of the front rows on the second level of this of this theater. Um, in downtown Annapolis and just seeing this because there was nothing like it uh, ever before. Um, and so that uh, that energy uh, kind of fuels you to go out and to kind of really play with these things. Um, you know, like the, a lot of people say Star Wars like fairy tales, um, which it is to some degree. It has a nice, simple, straightforward morality most of the time and things like that. But it But it also can give us this wonderfully rich detail-oriented kind of world that most of the time holds together well and in the spots where it doesn't is really a lot of fun to argue about so, so. um i wanted to 
Caroline, the other day that we were talking when we were talking about the trailer for the Rise of Skywalker, we were talking about how there's this one section where um, Ray she says everybody's been trying to tell me like who I am, and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of, yeah. that kind of falls into like well, um, well first Kylo Ren first off said that she was nobody, and then when she first gets the lightsaber, um, who who I keep forgetting the, the pub owner, what's her Kaz? name? Yeah, Cass. She she says like oh Maz, no, Maz, Maz, oh Maz, Maz, Maz Kanan. Kanan. I messed yes. it up. Got it back. Sorry. Well, it's that's okay. it. I'm Maz off the show Kanata. now. I'm leaving. Right. I'm gone. I'm done. Yeah. Um, but Maz Kanata essentially is like, now it's calling to you. Like, you're the yeah. next great yeah. Jedi. It's your turn. And yeah, like, it's your turn. And I feel like with all these fan theories, like, oh, like saying that she's Skywalker, like trying to explain her power with things that we already know, which is, which is completely fine. Like, you're just trying to understand it. But I feel like it also goes to that part, like, you don't need to be associated with anybody to have that power, which... Yeah. Do you think that's a shot to the real world too? Everybody's always trying to oh, tell me yeah. who I am. That's oh, a yeah. shot out there to the like, and there you are in the audience. You've bought tickets. I, I said it was almost like breaking <laughs> yeah, yeah. the fourth wall. I thought she was talking to me, saying, "Stop making fan theories about me because you're wrong." <laughs> and I, I completely, like I, I didn't know. Who, I couldn't see the trailer uh, where I was sitting. And I genuinely thought that she had just turned to the audience and said, "Stop! Stop! Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's trying to tell me who I am." I mean, we see that troop like literally all the time. Like, if uh, like the dad's like a CEO of a company mm-hmm. er, yeah. in yeah. some like Hallmark movie, right. Right. Um, and then they look <laughs> at the sun and they're like, "Yep, you got a lot, lots of things to look up to or to live up to." Um, and so it's just. Like, why does that have to? Why does your parentage have to do with anything? It's all—it's all laced through Iron Man. It's all laced through a lot of—it's a lot of characters that that's are like that. Have, that's what we have to worry about, not the Disney acquisition of Star Wars, but the Hallmark. <laughs> you, Star Wars. you don't want the coming up in another a few Christmas years. special. That, that could be horrifying. Why don't you watch the original Christmas special, and then maybe you'll feel better about the Christmas movies. Honestly, but, uh, honestly with the way with the way Disney Plus is going, we might yeah, get a Christmas special. To me. I'm, I'm all there. Life Day is canonical. Now yeah. it was mentioned in yeah. an episode of The Mandalorian. It counts. So there you go. If you didn't like the Star Wars Christmas special or the holiday special, it counts. Too bad. You can't pretend it didn't happen. Life day is real, <laughs> and we have to accept Absolutely it. Absolutely cannot. Yeah, it's it's in there. It's part of the it's part of the the system. Now it's um it's 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 funny um how rich this this fan life can be, and how how interesting it can be to try to figure this stuff like out, and and how how neat it is to have a character you actually care about and are really, really interested in trying to figure out what's going on with her. Um, I think, I think that's really, really neat. Like I said, I, I hope it's a good answer. Um, I hope it's, you know, everybody wants the, you know, you know, the, Oh my gosh, Darth Vader's Luke's father kind of moment. Like, Holy yeah. cow. You know, yeah. we all want that, but whatever it is, I hope it's just really cool. I, you know, I'll be, I'll be there with my son and I'm to the point now where like, I want my world rocked, but I want to watch what happens to him. You know, I want to, my, my daughter's 22. I want to see what happens to her, but I really want to watch this 11 year old boy's world get rocked <laughs> by whatever happens. <laughs> That's funny as a parent. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, oh no. It'll probably be because he talks too loud in the movies anyway. It'll probably be just asking yeah. this question. Yeah. Like, oh, no, I'll tell you later. Um, so to wrap things up, uh, I'd like to ask, and this is a very like hard hitting question. So if there's no answer, it's fine. But just in your own personal opinion, um, who do you think the most vital character throughout the Star Wars saga is? Um, like who, who's I guess absence would make the series different than what, as what we know it today. It's not Maz because I remember her name. No, it's not Maz. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's sorry, a wonderful Maz. character. She would have found, found the lightsaber without yeah, her that's, being there, she get though, the, you know? <laughs>
She just walked down there. No, no, no. How did, how did Mance get the lightsaber? <laughs> yeah, that's what we I don't know. That it, it was supposed to be said in in episode yeah, seven. Yeah, pitched and down it into got the Bespin. Yeah. yeah, where did it go? Okay. We have no idea. Uh, but I was I was walking over here, and we were talking about it, actually. Uh, I f- at first said the Emperor, because he's the main antagonist. He set up everything from the prequels all the way until apparently now when he's still alive. Um, I don't um, know how, yeah. but yeah. 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 that's Disney. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But um, the Emperor has set up everything, and then uh, the point was brought up that it was actually Shmi who's the most important character because she had Anakin, and then the Emperor would have had nobody to tempt and over to the dark side. But a character hears so yeah. little about yeah. having such yeah. a big That's impact. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Shmi is awesome. She she was a hardworking single mom. Yeah. We need to praise her more yeah. often. Well, my I remember watching that with my mom. My mom teared up a little bit during the part when she said goodbye to little Anakin. Aww. She well, she had Aww. a little toe-headed little boy too, a little blonde. I wasn't I wasn't that cute. But I, hopefully, I was close. Um, but yeah, no, she she teared up during that part. So by important, you mean like what do you mean like you, like Jenga break? You pull that one out and the whole thing falls yeah, apart. Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. it's R two D two. R two D two. Oh, R two D two because nothing happens without R two D two. The unsung hero of the entire Star Wars saga is in fact R two D two, and nothing happens without him. Um, he's the one that's always carrying the vital information. He's the one that's always got the last minute thing. Without R two D two, none of it occurs. But thematically, it's Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker because it's it's I think he's what it's always hung on even though I'm sure some people right now are saying no you idiot it's <laughs> Skywalker. Um, I think it's I think it's Luke and I think it's Luke uh, looking out at the horizon and sort of seeing that that world and kind of opening things up um, science fiction was gonna gonna go way academic here for a second science fiction prior to this was largely dominated by 50s Invasion stories, oh, space aliens, you know, cheap rubbery space aliens, we're here to take over the world, or giant, you know, giant radioactive ants or whatever. Um, and then after that, uh, everybody's trying to imitate 2001 A Space Odyssey. So you had to have this kind of like trippy moment in it and some other things going on and this sort of weird, hard to understand idea. Um, Star Wars came in in the, in the 70s, right, in 1977, and um, everything became gung-ho action and excitement and thrills. And um, that's Luke. And Luke is the sort of character that opens that door and then allows us to kind of uh, move forward with it and sort of retroactively explore it. So, so to me, I always see it as, as sort of like Luke's world and what came before it and what came after it. But, but, but the Gen- Jenga brick that, if you pull it out, doesn't happen. It's R2-D2. It's the unsung hero. Interesting choice. That's why he should come. <laughs> Your father should bring him down. <laughs> and yeah. he should visit. Yeah. He should be here for the interview. Oh I'll see what I can do. But I'm not making any yeah. promises. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Caroline, Mike, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks uh, for having me. May the force be with you. you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, yes. And to all our listeners, we're glad that you came. Is there a Lynchburg professor or alum you'd like to hear on the podcast this season or a topic you'd like us to tackle? Email ucm at lynchburg.edu to let us know. Until next time. All these bonkers theories that you shared with me? You disagree with them all.
See, I, <laughs> I listen to them, but I I, I, I don't necessarily go with them. Yeah, you enjoy the possibility yeah. of them. Yeah. That's hilarious. They are wonderfully bonkers. But I, I'm very excited about the tradition of incestuous brother-sister relationships continuing in Star Wars. That's a <laughs> <laughs> just to me, I was just... recording that, Tim, were you? Yeah. No. Get that right up there. <laughs> that should be the lead.